Yeah. Sometimes technology goes a little too far and we have to look back at what we've created and question why. Hello, hello, hello. I can't believe we're here at our last Y2 Christmas movie. What? We just started recording these. <laughs> yeah, well, oh my we, God. we're doing less than usual this year because there's only three Christmases or three Wednesdays before Christmas. There's only three Christmases this December. <laughs> there's only three Christmases before Wednesday this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, technically we had four with Patreon, but... Yeah, it's really it's really wow. been zooming by. We're also doing, you know, some pre-recording, obviously, ahead of the holiday. But as you're listening to this episode on release day, Christmas is a mere five days away. Wow. Hope you got your shopping done. <laughs> yeah. Hope you got your freaking shopping done. Yeah, I guess it's just time, you know, passes by and we mm-hmm. don't see it coming, huh? Yeah, I'm like, as we record this, so behind on my Christmas movie watching. I feel like I haven't really watched any of the heavy hitters yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't rewatched Christmas with the Cranks. I haven't rewatched oh, The Holiday. Classic. I haven't rewatched Love Actually. So, yeah. I got to get on it. Yeah, I honestly feel like, because every time I go into, oh, I'm going to dox myself on the pond. I won't say where in New York. <laughs> But I live, or not live, I work in one of the busiest places this time of year. Mm-hmm. Just like walking out, like I got lunch outside of the office today and I had to like fucking just elbow my way through the crowd. Yeah. It was like bananas. And um, that really like sucks the joy <laughs> out of it. You know, come to New York, follow your dreams, but you better walk fast, son. Yeah. Just have some spatial awareness. That's all we ask. That's all we ask. Yeah. But I did see the windows at Saks Fifth Avenue for the first time. I'd never, like, stopped to look before. They're really gorgeous. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. So. So shall we get into our final Christmas film? Yeah. And I'm just so happy that we get to talk about drug mule uh, Tim (laughs) Allen. (laughs) Your fave. I didn't know that he had gotten arrested for like having so much cocaine on him do you know about this well it was like a even when he was cast in the santa claus like it was big controversy because usually disney doesn't hire people who have you know a criminal record they try not (laughs) they try Um, to avoid that yeah so like it took a lot of convincing for them to even cast tim allen wow but he was good i mean yeah He's a very funny guy. Mm-hmm. His brand of comedy really lends itself to, like, I would say TV. Yeah. And I guess movies, too, but really, like, I'm thinking of, like, Home Improvement. Right. Yeah, and I think his presence in this movie is spectacular. Also, what I noticed watching the Santa Claus – oh, we're doing the Santa Claus 2. Yeah. 2002 Santa Claus yeah. 2. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. But – what I really noticed this time around was that same, like, I don't know how to, like, verbalize it, but that very, like, gravelly, like, cutthroat sense of comedy where mm-hmm. he's like, 
making harsh jokes, honestly. like Oh, yeah. His jokes can be kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That – because when he's Scott Calvin, mm-hmm. people are like – you know, he's like the divorced dad and he's like kind of a jackass. And I'm like, oh, Santa's like actually kind of a jackass. Mm-hmm. He's just also now Santa. <laughs> he's just so jolly. He has, he's jolly, <laughs> but he still has like that same jerky sense of humor, mm-hmm. which I love. Yeah, for sure. For sure. This is the movie in the, you know, the Santa Claus trilogy that I've seen the most. Like, I think I've only seen the first one maybe three times, but we had Santa Claus 2 on DVD. So, like, I've watched it a lot in my lifetime, so I'm, like, most familiar with this one. Uh, So, it's always fun to revisit because, like, this one's a little bit of a rom-com. It's a little bit of a romance. Yeah. So. We said only romances this December. Yeah. Get that family fun shit out of here. We want romance. (laughs) I want sucking and fucking this winter. (laughs) (laughs) But I, yeah, had a blast watching. We um, also get, oh, God, I don't know her name. I know it's not Brooke Shields, but she kind of looks like a blonde Brooke Shields. Well, Um, funnily enough, Brooke Shields was a contender. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Elizabeth Mitchell, I think she brings – an earnest mm-hmm. performance that really lends itself, especially with Tim Allen's like <laughs> more uh, sandpapery performance opposite <laughs> her. Like, I think that it was a really good match. Yeah. Also, they're they also both begin as like hardened, but in different ways. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, before we get too deep into it, should we talk about some numbers? Yeah, let's get the numbers rolling. So this movie, shockingly, (laughs) considering the fact that it's like reception wasn't that great, actually opened number one. Its opening weekend was number one um, above Jackass the movie. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever met a Jackass fan, (laughs) but they go pretty hard. And their budget was $65 million. They made $172 million in the box office. So yeah, pretty solid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like we said, the reviews were pretty mixed. Mixed mm-hmm. to negative, I would say. <laughs> a lot of people were like, oh, it's so predictable. And I'm like, it's a kid's movie. Like, what? Yeah, what do you, what do you want, want, bro? <laughs> and I thought about the first movie, and I was like, oh, my God, he was – Almost arrested for kidnapping the first yeah. movie. I'm like, do you want high stakes like that again? We have fascist yeah. Santa in this. What more right? do you want? I'm like, we have a Mussolini on our hands. Yeah. And you re- you're like too cookie cutter. Yeah. Mm, a little dull for me. And I'm like, okay, let's ignore the B plot then. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we talked about casting, obviously, for the role of Carol Newman. Other actresses that were in the mix were Kelly Preston, Kristen Davis, Jennifer Connelly, and Brooke Shields. Uh, there was also some other women in the mix for the casting of Mother Nature. Oh, really? Julie Andrews, Kathy Najimi, Jane Seymour, Summer Glau, Lisa Ann Walter, and Uma Thurman. Um, ultimately, the role did go to Aisha Tyler, who is like every time I see her, I'm always just so taken aback by how gorgeously stunning she is. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, and I am obsessed with her costume in this movie. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's actually a really good costume. 
Yeah. Um, they kind of popped off with the magical council. Right, right. Yeah. They were like, but we're kind of going to serve cunt. Yeah. Um, so they also constructed a new North Pole set for the sequel. And the new set is similar to the original Santa Claus set, but it is brighter and more magical, which I definitely feel. Like yeah. it, it's way more cozy and like feels like something out, you know, in Disney World. Mm-hmm. And it's also a more fleshed out version. There's more places and like houses and de- just detail overall. And like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I just thought it was so funny that they have like a square, like it's almost like a college campus. Yeah. In that regard. Um, and it also reminded me of the Grinch because they have that big, mm-hmm. just like the area where everyone's Main crisscrossing. Street, town square. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so curious about like the socio-political landscape of the North Pole. For sure. Because like it's implied that there's some sort of like law and judicial system but also it appears to be a moneyless society mm. and the elves lo- losing their jobs doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to now be like a destitute and impoverished. They just, you know, are, they lose their sense of joy and purpose. Yeah. It's also weird that like the elves are all tiny and stuck in, in, in uh, youth full bodies and the guy watching over them is like this old old man man who's younger than all of them cuz they're all like hundreds of years old it's interesting they also don't seem to have like a very the elves don't really have a sense of like morality cuz if we think back to like <laughs> the first movie when their overlord santa was murdered they really didn't yeah. seem phased about it at all <laughs> overlord santa <laughs> While I was watching this movie, Josh kept being like, he is a murderer. Like, yeah. do you remember the first movie? And he was also like, when the magical council came on, he was like, do you think the tooth fairy also had to murder? Right. Is that how fairy? it always, how the power always transfers? I don't know. Because that means Santa's always a murderer. Right. Right. <laughs> right. No, for real. Yeah. So many questions, not a lot of answers. Can Charlie inherit the, the Santa the throne, the suit? Yeah. It's hard to say, but I mean, it's it's fun to speculate. <laughs> no, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the elves, as we mentioned, all of them are played by child actors. So actually, none of the elves are same from the first movie to the second, except for Bernard, because like David Crumholtz was grown up already. And could you know <laughs> reprise his role. So all the elves in uh, Santa Claus Two are different from the first one. I always thought it was weird that he was so much taller than everyone else. Yeah, why is he the only elf mm-hmm. that gets to be older? Is he just like so much older? Maybe elves like they age at a very very slow rate, and he's just like the oldest elf. Maybe, maybe he must have seen a lot of Santas. Yeah, I do know that in the Santa Clauses, like the TV show that they did. Yeah. They do bring Bernard back and he, you know, David Crumholtz is 
you know, 20 years older than he was when he did these movies. So to explain why he no longer has his youthful appearance, (laughs) they say that he like fell in love with a human and gave up being an elf. And now he's a human who ages normally. Why would you ever, ever, ever do that? Yeah. But he still wears the same outfit and little hat and has his curly hair. So that's like a doll. That's all I care about, really. (laughs) Like a little doll. Yeah. Well, before we get into it, we just want to remind you that if you want a little extra bit of Christmas joy before the 25th comes, you can always listen to our Patreon episode on Barbie and the Nutcracker, which was super fun to record. We had a great time. So definitely head over to Patreon if you are interested in that. Yeah. And without further ado, should we slay right into it let's do it so the opening of the film we see these two men in a plane flying above the north pole when one of them who i can't remember his name in real life but he is like a canadian actor who has done like a lot of like Canadian stuff before the most famous thing being this show called corner gas that he was in for years. Oh Um, yes. I remember you, you've mentioned this guy before. Yeah. Cause he also shown up in other movies and I'm like, Hey, it's Hank from corner gas. Um, (laughs) They did shoot this movie in uh, Vancouver. So that Mm -hmm. makes sense. But he's like, I'm picking something up on the sonar. It sounds like tiny hammers. And then we uh, go underground to the magical North Pole where all the elves are working away in Santa's workshop. We're a couple of days from Christmas and I honestly can't remember how many days we are because I'm getting confused with the holiday calendar right mm-hmm. now. And I'm like, we have 25 days. Um, but they're working their little butts off. And meanwhile, in some sort of like lookout room there's mr david crumholtz as bernard the elf and he switches the level to ElfCon three but this plane just keeps going towards them so they go to ElfCon two and a big north pole looking thing emerges from the center of the room all the way up through the ice and basically makes a periscope so Tim Allen as Santa Claus can peer above ground to see what's going on. And he's like, ElfCon 1. And they flip a switch. It's ElfCon 1. And they all wait silently. I guess this is like something that they have rehearsed, like a fire drill type scenario because yeah everyone falls silent to deter the plane from you know landing but at this point the same guy hears something weird and he's like hey boss listen to this and it's santa claus is coming to town so bernard and santa leave to find out where the music is coming from lo and behold it's spencer breslin as Curtis, and he's been playing music on a little toy Santa. So they stop the song, and the plane luckily does fly away. And Santa's like, how about for Christmas, we get you some headphones? And Curtis is like, you're 900 years old. Grow up. And I'm like, Curtis is trying to heal his inner child. 
Yeah, I do enjoy the addition of Curtis as a character. I think he's a yeah. nice little foil to Bernard. Uh, led to some some great comedic moments. Yes. But we go through the uh, North Pole Town Square, Bernard, Santa, and Curtis, the iconic Holy Trinity, uh, taking a little stroll. And Curtis is like, listen, I didn't technically violate any rules in the handbook by, like, you know, playing the <laughs> the Smokey Robinson Christmas music. Yeah. And Bernard says, Curtis, do you go pee-pee with that thing? Because he's clearly all about the handbook. <laughs> Then, out of the blue, a chaotic reindeer in training, Chet, flies out. They all have to duck to avoid him. He's slipping and sliding all across the ice. And Santa's like, ooh, hope it's early in his training. Yikes. And then leaves. Um, And after he's (laughs) gone, Bernard asks Curtis, when is he going to tell him? Tell him what? Mm, We don't know yet. Something is amiss in the North Pole. Right. This is absolutely the um, beginning of the era where random comedy was funny, where they're like, oh, my God, it's Chet the reindeer. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that an ironic name to call a reindeer? Chet? Mm-hmm. It's like iCarly humor. Whenever I hear uh, Chet, though, all I think is Chet Hanks. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> same. <laughs> um, meanwhile, in the good old U.S. of A., Charlie is breaking into his school. He's on the roof. Oh, with, my God. With a girl? <gasps> what? And I think it, her name is Danielle. Yeah. And she's like, hey, you know, my parents are divorced, too. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. And I don't really know what, how this gets brought up, to be honest. Like, I don't remember. But he's like, no, I don't care about that. Like. And she's like, well, I don't know why you never talk about your dad. And internally, Charlie's like, because he's fucking Santa Claus, but I can't Mm -hmm. tell you that. (laughs) And outside, he says, you know, he doesn't want me to talk about him. It's complicated. And he starts explaining that he works in toys and with little people, children. And then I'm like, stop talking. (laughs) But he's like, let's just do what we came here to do. And Danielle's like, you know, Charlie, this is a dangerous idea. We could get caught at any time. It's kind of exciting. And I'm like, don't say anything. You're literally 11. Yeah. Also, like, typing. Love how they took the most clean cut looking girl and tried to frame her as like a bad influence or like a bad girl. I'm like, she's wearing a hat from Claire's. Like, let's relax. (laughs) Right. I want her to be like a Victoria Justice type from when she was on Zoe 101. And oh, she comes Lola. In. Yeah. Lola. Yeah. Yeah. But they go back to their true, not truancy, vandalism. Yeah. When she says this, Charlie is like, Charlie's heart skips a beat. He clearly yeah. likes her. And they're actually leaning forward to kiss when Charlie falls backward. Luckily, He's on a harness, and he's like, okay, takes out his spray paint and begins painting the wall. It says, Newman equals Christmas tree in a red circle with a slash through it. (laughs) Newman equals no Christmas trees. (laughs) Love that his, like, bad boy vandalism is about the 
principal who just like doesn't want to spend school funds on frivolous decorations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so silly. But the next thing we see who should show up but Principal Newman. She slams a ladder next to him and he's done. He's toast. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in the North Pole, we see Santa just doing his thing through the workshop, helping out the elves. Uh, one of, this like truly very adorable little child elf goes up to him and she's like, hi, Santa, do you want a cookie? And I'm like, you absolutely had to feed this small child this line right before the yeah. take because she cannot read. She's so little. <laughs> she's <laughs> illiterate, has no memory. <laughs> She's like, do you want a cookie, Santa? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, all right, that was adorable. I will give you that. Yeah. Um, And Santa's like, of course I want a cookie. He's like, "Um, do I want a cookie? Of course. (laughs) Just screaming in the face of a child. (laughs) Um, He then asks some of the elves about how their new static-free tinsel is coming. And they're like, oh, he, he, he. And they dump a whole basket down below onto him and Bernard and Curtis. I'm like, that shit does not look static-free. That is the most staticky-looking tinsel I've ever seen. But Santa's like, ah, you little so-and-sos. How about we settle this outside (laughs) with some football? So they, you know, abandon their job posts and run off for a little mid-shift football break. And Bernard tells Curtis that he needs to tell Santa right now. And Curtis is like... But he's so happy. Why do I have to be the one to tell him? Yeah. And Bernard says, because I'm head elf and I don't give bad news. It's one of the perks of my seniority. I'm like, you tell him, that's my man, Bernard the elf. <laughs> Ooh, that's my, my man. man. <laughs> it's, it's truly, I mean, I talked about it in the last episode and I'll say it again. You either had a crush on Bernard the elf or you didn't. And the girlies who get it, get it. The ringlet curls that are going on in this movie, like, they spoke to me like no other, and my love for him only grew. It's funny because when I was a kid watching this, I, like, fully had a crush on Charlie. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like Like any normal child. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But um, it's funny because now watching it back, I'm like, well, obviously I'm not attracted to him, like, as a child. But I was also like, he's kind of whiny in this. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Charlie's like a bad kid in this one. He's kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a bummer. Whereas Bernard is like, I'm going to lead a revolution in my little hat. Well, Bernard has a job. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, he's a man. He has a job. (laughs) He's a man. Okay, we're done here. (laughs) So. Santa is playing flag football with the elves, and it's just him against the elves. Like, one man against a dozen elves. Yeah. And they run the play. Obviously, the elves win, and it it does look like he he lets them win. And I'm like, this is like when you race a child and you, like, pretend you sprained your ankle, and so you let them, like, cross the finish line. It's good for morale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they – finish the play they win and they pile on santa and he calls them wizards no matter how many times they run that play which seems like it's every time (laughs) he he somehow never sees it coming 
So Bernard and Curtis come up to Santa and they're like, hey, big guy, we got to talk. So we go inside to Santa's, you know, private quarters. He changes into some other clothes when he realizes that his trousers are looking a little big. That's when Abby, one of the cutie little elves, comes in. She is like the Judy stand-in from the first movie. Um, She comes in to give him some hot cocoa. And he's like, oh, what's the bad news? Like, why are you coming to bring me cocoa? Must be bad news. And she hands him the naughty and nice list and has to tell him that Charlie is on the naughty list. <gasps> Rut row. Santa thinks there must be a mistake, but the elves don't make mistakes. So he asks how this happened. And if this is what Curtis and Bernard have been trying to tell him all day. And then Curtis comes in. He's like, oh, great. You told him. Let's get you dressed for that meeting. And Santa's like, no, no. Like, I can't have the meeting here right now. I need to go and be a dad. I need to see my son. And Bernard is like, Curtis, tell him right now. And Curtis tells Santa that there's a clause. And Santa's (gasps) like, yes, that's me. And Curtis is like, no, there's a second clause on the card when you found the previous Santa who he murdered. Curtis. I want you to use the right magnifying glass right now because mm-hmm. you bet your motherfucking ass <laughs> there's going to be another clause. And I think if you just read them all at once, yeah. it's going to save you a lot of headache. Absolutely. So they show him the card through a super, super, super magnifying lens. And Santa realizes that apart from the first Santa Claus that he who wears the suit bears the name, basically it's the Mrs. Claus. Santa needs to find a wife in order to maintain his standing as Santa. So Santa puts his belt back on, but it's also too big. And Curtis is like, oh, my God, the desantification process has already begun. And Santa asks if this means that if he doesn't get married, he can't be Santa. Like, what would happen to the kids and the elves and them? And Bernard says, don't worry, you still have time, time being 28 days to find a wife by Christmas Eve. Wow. So Santa feels like it's already over because unless we're on The Bachelor, that is a hard time frame to find a wife in. But Curtis says, don't give up hope because if you do, then we have to as well. And just Mm -hmm. like that, Santa's beard shrinks up. (gasps) These changes are happening very quickly. And again, so this makes me curious about the entire system that's happening in the North Pole because him becoming Santa, like the santification and the desantification process don't seem to be mitigated by any sort of court or judicial system. It's by like the laws, like the magic of the universe and like the laws of nature. Mm -hmm. But there's like, a contract with clauses, which seems to be more of like a legal document. So who's in charge mm. here? Well, I don't think they've <laughs> fleshed that all out for yeah. sure. But I do think that the rules and the laws are more passive than aggressive. Like mm. with the rules on that business card, it's like if you put on the suit, then you become Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. So if Santa was murdered, like by just some random guys, like, and Calvin came up, he could put on the suit and he'd be Santa Claus. Yeah, even though if he wasn't like the murderer, but yeah, he never 
I don't think he like ever signed anything. It was just no. information on the business card, right? Yeah, no, he never. There was nothing was ever signed, and it was just like you have to be Santa now. Yeah, and it's not like you just pay a fine or serve some time in jail. Like it's if you don't do it, then the magic of Christmas dies, right? And that's Isn't that like that's the consequence. <laughs> yeah. So they hop into a meeting and Santa gets very distracted by what's going on with him. Mother Nature asks if he's still with them and she thanks Santa for being their host for the Council of Legendary Figures. They convene and she talks about the end of year holiday conference and the Tooth Fairy asks to submit some new names to everyone's chagrin like Captain Floss, Plaque Man, and Roy. <laughs> sure. Sure. And Santa's like, oh, you know what would be great? The Molinator. The Molinator. <laughs> Mother Nature's like, okay, who are the eyes? Just Santa and the Tooth Fairy. The next thing they do is ask Santa for some status reports, and he tells them things are busy per usual, but he does say that Charlie got himself on the naughty list. Yeah, he says that, you know, it's a difficult time and he needs to be here at the North Pole, but he also has to be there for Charlie. And the Sandman says that this is every parent's dilemma, you know, balancing work and children. People lose more sleep over that than anything. And the Easter Bunny is like, yeah, I have 33,000 offspring and they're all in private school. Also, the Easter Bunny looks fucking terrifying. That he is looks what he nightmares looks are made out of. And I hate to see it. Mm-hmm. He looks like a clown that's veered too much on the side of like uh, Victorian. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Santa explains to them the whole Mrs. Claus situation that he has to get married by Christmas Eve. And Father Time tells him exactly how much time he has left because that's what he does. Also, the actor who plays Father Time, uh, he also plays Scott's boss in the first one. Which <gasps> no way. Was funny. Uh, what's his name? He's like a very famous actor who's been in tons of stuff. I um, love a little callback. Peter Boyle. But Santa then asks Cupid if maybe he can just shoot him with one of his little love darts and then he'll fall in love. But unfortunately... Their powers don't work on each other since they're already magical. And the Easter Bunny says, you can't stop being Santa. Kids are 86% happier since you took over the job. That's unrealistic. How I do not believe that stat. How badly was the previous Santa <laughs> shitting the bed that within, well, I guess it's been eight years at this point, but that 86% is an insane increase. So Santa asks what he's going to do. And Father Time says, well, you can't be in two places at once. Or can he? Mm. So later on that day, we're back in the workshop and Curtis is like, everyone out, 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 out. Because he's concocted a little something, something. A nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. He has concocted. (laughs) He's basically concocted uh, the new Mussolini incarnate. (laughs) So he's like, all right, so I've made some improvements on my pantograph. I've tripled the RAM and reconfigured the circuitry. And I'm like, neither of those (laughs) things are contributing to 
what you are doing. To cloning like, someone. <laughs> right. To making an inanimate object real. Yeah. Really, this movie is about the dangers of artificial intelligence. Yeah. And um, fascism. <laughs> yeah. And unchecked power. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Santa tells Curtis he's not getting in that thing. And Curtis is like... I added a fuzzy logic circuit and you'd be able to just run things while he takes care of things here. And like, you can go visit Charlie, you can go find your wife. And then at this moment, as they're discussing the viability of a clone, a mouse runs into the machine and comes out on the other side and the mice are identical. So they've done a test. Animal trials are right, already right. in progress. <laughs> Animal trials, a go. And Curtis promises it won't hurt a bit. So Santa agrees. But when he comes out the other side, it's just him. Nothing new. But we also see a clone Santa who comes out naked. And the faux Santa approaches Santa and like tries to talk to him. He basically just repeats everything that he says. Santa pulls Bernard aside and tells him he needs to see Charlie and he needs to convince the elves that toy Santa is him. And Bernard is like, have you seen that thing? You know, but if anyone can do it, it's on you. And like, you're number one. And so Bernard tells him he's not just going to lie to all of the elves. Cut to Bernard lying to all the elves. Big old lie. <laughs> and he's like, I think that Santa's new look is terrific. He looks better and fresher somehow than he has in years. And Santa is really happy with his new look. So please <laughs> do not stare or point or use the word plastic. Thank you so much, everybody. Let's get back to work. <laughs> My poor man, Bernard. Cannot catch a break. Just going through it, having to lie to all his coworkers, having to deal with a sentient hunk of plastic Mm -mm -mm. that's now going to oversee Q4, end of Q4, busiest time of the year. So Yeah. Yeah. And Curtis was like so excited to get it up and running. And I'm like, babe, sometimes you just got to... Kill your darlings. Yeah. Sometimes technology goes a little too far and we have to look back at what we've created and question why. Meanwhile, Santa gets Comet ready to take him on his trip to Earth. Well, he's on Earth, but I just keep saying Earth because I'm like, this is technically like a realm. Right. Like I feel like you have to go into a wormhole to arrive here, but mm-hmm. whatever. Comet is being kind of a prissy bianch. <laughs> He, like, doesn't want to go, and he's like, it's giving Scooby-Doo in the live action. Yeah, they're like, I'm like, what was this choice? Right. (laughs) And Santa's like, come on, Comet. Like, I want to take a trip with you. Like, when's the last time, you know, we went somewhere? Before he leaves, Bernard gives him a magical watch that tells him how much magic power he has left. When he gives him the watch, it's all the way at 10, but as you use your magic, it will go down. If it gets to zero, you won't be able to return to the North Pole. (sighs) And Comet's like, ah. 
And then <laughs> Santa tells Bernard that he won't let it get to zero. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why would that happen? It wouldn't be good for the plot. <laughs> your frivolous use of magic throughout your time in Not once Minnesota. does he use magic to like save a life or to to make the outcome of something awful better. Like it's just to like yeah. it make a party better. <laughs> Anyways, so Santa tells Bernard that he won't let it get to zero and Bernard puts his hands on on Santa's shoulders like – face-to-face, and asks him what the most important thing is. And Santa tells him to not touch Santa. And this is very, like, gritty, like, Tim allen like, kind of bitchy humor, which I enjoyed. And Bernard is like, okay, let's go. And tells Santa it's for him to come home. It's the most important thing. Comet gets grumpy again and Santa hops on and he tells him, you know, we're not pulling any packages. It's just a one, one stop travel. And they're going to go see Charlie. And upon hearing Charlie's name, Comet just like furiously takes off. He very clearly loves Charlie. And I'm like, we don't even see you in the same shot in this Mm -hmm. movie. No, not once. But we go to Charlie's elementary school, secondary school, whatever. He's probably like in middle school. He's probably 12 or something. Right. Or like a freshman maybe, but I think it's middle school. Yeah. So Scott meets up with Laura and Neil, you may remember, as Charlie's mom and stepmother. And they notice that Scott has a bit of a trimmed beard and like he's looking a little slimmer. They start walking to the meeting And Laura asks Scott how he always knows when there's a problem. And he says, I see you when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake. And the whole surveillance state Santa (laughs) complex is really frightening, which Neil astutely points out. (laughs) I wanted to get an elf on the shelf and do like crazy shit with it. Like like Josh wakes up and the elf on the shelf has like like burned – something you know what i mean (laughs) you open the fridge elf in the shelf is just sitting there staring at you but he has like poison in his hand yeah there's blood dripping down his mouth and you're like what's he and there's a little note it's like one of these food items is poison but you have to guess yeah (laughs) just torture your your boyfriend for the month of december (laughs) um So Laura tells Scott that Charlie keeps acting out, and this time he has defaced public property. And so they start heading to Principal Newman's office, and Scott says that there's something about her that that just makes him want to deface private property. I'm like, great. So Principal Newman comes up to them and tells Scott that she hasn't seen him since the last time that Charlie was in trouble. And he's like, Mm. yeah, you know, I've been traveling for work. And she suggests maybe if he spent more time with his son, then there wouldn't be so many problems. And I was like, oh, you are overstepping a little bit, but you did gag him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Which on it, it's funny that it's not the whole problem, but that does actually end up being a, a kind of a cornerstone of the issues. Yes, for sure. So Scott says then, but if he did stick around so much, then he wouldn't get to spend so much time with her. And it's always (laughs) such a pleasure. And I'm like, you're such a little bitch, Scott. Yeah. 
And it's always such a pleasure. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she gives it right back to him because she's like, huh, a battle of the wits. A shame you came unarmed. And I was like, get his ass. <laughs> that was clever. So she then approaches a kid skateboarding in the hallway because, you know, obviously the bell has already rung. And she's like, look into my eyes. What do you see? And he says, it's dark and cold. And she says, it's your future. And you'll be stabbing trash by the side of the highway if you keep this up. Now, where are you going? And he's like, straight in geometry. <laughs> and off he goes. So Laura, Neil, and Scott and Principal Newman go have their meeting about Charlie's graffiti. And she tells him that if this continues, she will have to suspend Charlie. And Scott is like, hold on, hold on, because I want to know why this happened in the first place. And Principal Newman tells Charlie, like, we're all worried about you. It feels like you're trying to get someone's attention and, like, glances at Scott. And she just asks what's bothering him. And Charlie, like, shrugs. And Newman asks Neil if he has any theories. And he's like, frankly, I have several. And Scott's like, okay, why don't we just order a pizza? And Neil starts like talking about his theories when Scott just starts slamming his head into the filing cabinet. He's such a dick. He's literally so abhorrent. And then he gets up and he tells Principal Newman that the problem is Christmas is a few weeks away and there's not one holiday decoration in sight. And Newman tells him that she runs a top academic institution and spending any money on things that aren't important would be wasteful. It's also – it's a public school. Like there's not a it ton is a of funding school. available. Yeah, I'm also just like it's not normal to deck your halls no. in, in a pr- public school. Like, Yeah, not everybody – you know, is Christian. Not everybody celebrates Christmas. Yeah. It's perfectly normal to not decorate for the holidays. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, they should be spending money on like funding for the arts and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, clearly, Charlie's a talented kid. Let's get him in an art class. <laughs> this is the new Banksy. <laughs> um, so Scott is like, you know, holiday cheer is very important and tries to convince her of that. And then he goes back to Charlie and says, Charlie, like, do you know that what you did was wrong? And Charlie's like, I guess. And he's like, no, it was wrong. No questions asked. I need you to promise that you won't do this again. And Charlie promises and Scott adjourns the meeting. He puts some cash on Newman's back table and it's like, here for a wreath. What? Uh, dick (laughs) yeah so meanwhile back at the north pole we have a creepy plastic toy santa he is practicing his impressions in the mirror being like i am santa claus boo i am santa claus (laughs) bernard tells is like yeah totally think this is gonna work (laughs) but curtis gives the rule book to santa and santa takes it and sits down at his desk which, like, Curtis has programmed him to have, like, Santa's memories and stuff like that. So he's like, oh, yes, I must follow all the rules because rules are very important. 
So that's when Miss Abby, the cutie little elf, comes in with the hot cocoa, and she's obviously very taken aback by how fucking creepy and insane <laughs> this Santa looks. Like, I cannot stress enough yeah. the uncanny valiness of it all. It's giving, like, Heidi revealing her new face. Yeah, it's like <sighs> the worst plastic surgery you've ever seen. Also, Bernard being like, Santa's very happy with his new look, <laughs> so please don't point and laugh. <laughs> Santa had a little bit of work done. You could barely even tell. (laughs) Just a little nip and a tuck here and there. Yeah. Nothing Santa got his buccal fat injection. (laughs) So to review, this is a movie about the dangers of AI, the dangers of fascism, and also the dangers of plastic surgery. (laughs) Santa got the fat from his ass injected into his face. Yeah. He also went to Turkey. He got that hair transplant. Bam, boom, bang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My thoughts exactly. Underneath those veneers, the teeniest, tiniest little shavings of teeth you've ever seen. He said, <laughs> here, put on my card. They said, this is a candy cane. <laughs> he said, face card, no cash, no credit. <laughs> For all my Troy Sivan fans out there. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Troy Sivan, I forget that he started on YouTube, mm-hmm. but then I see his TikToks and I'm like, your mastery of social media yeah, truly is unmatched. inspiring. That that journey yeah. to superstardom. Yeah. Nothing but respect for Troy Sivan. Um, I just saw one of his TikToks today where he's just like wearing glasses and his hair is like a little scraggly mm-hmm. and he's like, I feel like someone's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if you know, you know. Yeah. And like it hits. Yeah. But it's also just like so niche. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm giving boyfriend today. About. Yeah, it's giving it's giving I at the grocery store and you have a little chat, but you guys leave and you never see each other again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, that's not a universal experience. Oh my god, that just made me think of a very specific memory. That I haven't thought about in years because it's like yeah ridiculous. But you and I were at the grocery store near our old apartment, and there was this guy in line in front of us at the checkout, and he was buying like all plant based products. And oh stuff. my god, yeah! And he also like yeah. didn't take a plastic bag. He like had his own bag with him. And you were like, "That's my husband." <laughs> <laughs> you were like, "I'm in yeah. love," and he was cute too. So like, yeah, yeah, he was cute. I was like, "You're definitely buying." Four, two people. <laughs> like, that's but, too many avocados for one person. <laughs> yeah. You're married, you know. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I love projecting on people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, you're so coy and, yeah. like, you're you're perfect. <laughs> and then, like, you just hear someone talk and they have the most arduous D- awful disgusting yeah. voice ever and you're like, you're like well dreams shattered killed my fantasy thank you so much yeah. <laughs> he's like oh about my day now <laughs> yeah right back to reality oh there goes gravity anyways um yeah so santa is serving face card no cash no credit and <laughs> <laughs> abby is you know santa she's like santa you look so, and Bernard is like, like you got a good night's sleep. And she's like, <laughs> like you got a very good night's sleep. 
so she offers him the cocoa and warns him that it's hot. And he, like, doesn't know what to do with it. Curtis is, like, miming, like, taking a sip. And Santa just fucking <laughs> chugs that shit right down. He chugs that shit like a freshman with a vodka orange juice. Yeah, yeah with, like, a freshman with a PBR. And he slams <laughs> that shit and goes, Whoa! <laughs> He's like, that's delicious! I love cocoa! More cocoa <laughs> just starts slamming them back. <laughs> oh my god! Like you got a very good night's sleep, Santa. You look like you got pussy last night. <laughs> it's like you got that glow about you. <laughs> yeah, Santa, you look like you fuck. <laughs> so uh, back in the corner where humans live, um, Minnesota, I think. Yeah. Oh, Minnesota. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who lives in Minnesota. We're just in a silly, goofy mood. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I earlier in the recording, I was like falling asleep, and now I'm like, wow, <laughs> I love Coco. <laughs> Anyways, so Scott uh, – sorry, sorry. Laura does a little plot recap, yes. like just very abruptly walking in the house like – so you're telling me you have 27 days to find a wife or you're done being Santa? And Scott's like, like thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. I forgot what I was watching. So Laura's like, you know, it took you three years to finally work up the courage to propose to me. And I'm like, ah, to be a boomer <laughs> after only three years of dating. Yeah. You're, You're like, like oh God, I've been waiting about forever. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, people are out here like, yeah, I've been with her for 10 years. We're just hanging yeah. out. They haven't put a label on it yet. Yeah. We're just talking. <laughs> She's my low commitment, no press. Long distance. Uh, <laughs> situation. Yeah. And uh, Neil's like, yeah, that's a pretty big commitment issue. And Scott's like, Yes, Sigmund. I was afraid I'd mess up the first time. <laughs> As we're like watching him speak to his wife's, his ex-wife's new husband. Yeah. I'm like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> And he tells them he's even more afraid now. But Charlie tells him he just has to keep being Santa. There's never been a better Santa. If you're not Santa, I'm going to freak the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna burn Principal Newman's house to the ground to if you're the not ground. Anymore. <laughs> to the ashes, baby. <laughs> and Scott tells Charlie that if he wasn't Santa, he could spend more time with him, and you know maybe he would spend less time supporting the spray painting industry. And I'm like, there he goes again. He's whip sharp. <laughs> and Laura's like. You're a great father, and being Santa has made you even an even better man. And I'm like, yeah, before that, you weren't talking. No. You were not on speaking terms before he became Santa Absolutely Claus. Absolutely not. And Neil tells him he has a great capacity for love. Don't let the fact that you have no time, no prospects, and a fear of intimacy get you down. And Scott's like, have you ever helped anyone? Ever? Let's not forget, Neil is like a psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any theories, Neil? I have several. 
the first one (laughs) in my ugly ass sweater yeah and laura's like you know what why don't i go through my phone book i'll dial up the internet and Mm -hmm. (laughs) see who i've taken you know i don't even know what they did back then yeah she's like let me pull out my archaic bible-like phone book (laughs) and see if i have any single friends who aren't too bitter and i'm like girl Good Good luck. luck. (laughs) (laughs) We're sassy tonight. (laughs) Yeah. The spirit of Tim Allen is possessing us. (laughs) I'm like, tool time. (laughs) Charlie also mentions that there are some divorced moms at school who would go out with anyone. Wow. And Scott's like, okay, I don't need your help in this arena. As he is explaining this, he's his beard is literally disappearing. And he says, I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't want a piece of this. <laughs> you have to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so Lucy arrives home and she looks like a ginger Mary Kate. And it really like confused the shit out of me. Oh, I was like, yeah. who is this? Um, but she calls out to Scott and she's like, Uncle Scott. And she's like, how are you? And she's like, I learned how to swim underwater and I'm not afraid. And he's like, whoa, that's great. Let's go to the mall and get some ice cream. And I'm like, "Uh, Uh, that's my dream. mm -hmm. And Charlie's like, there are plenty of single women at the mall. Mm. Go cruising while you're taking your quasi niece, (laughs) I guess. It's weird because she's like obviously – his ex-wife's Your new child with her new husband. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So we go back to Santa's workshop. Curtis and Bernard are like walking toy Santa around, kind of feeding him lines, telling him what to do to say to keep the elves in line. And then one of the elves comes up and is like, Santa, like, is this what you meant by like, you know, this specific type of wheel on this thing? And toy Santa just goes, Ho, 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 you're doing a wonderful job. (laughs) And he just keeps saying ho, ho, ho to everybody. And Bernard is like, hey, maybe dial it down a little bit. But Curtis is like, all right, Bernard, you can admit now that I was right and you were wrong. And And I'm like, Curtis, it's been one one day. day. (laughs) Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. And Bernard is like, well, the elves are happy and they're working hard. So, like, maybe everything's going to be fine. And that's when Toy Santa comes back over to them. He's like, you know, I've been reading this handbook and there's a lot of rules in this book that we're not following. And Curtis is like, I agree because he loves the rules. And Santa's like, I'm thinking about making some changes. So Curtis and Santa (laughs) go away to discuss how could this possibly turn out? What are we thinking? Yeah. yeah. They're like, he's too sentient. Mm-hmm. Should have dialed that back down. Yeah. Meanwhile, Scott is trying to get ready for a date, but he's wearing one of Neil's coogie sweaters, which are like the crazy yeah. design. It's a rough one. And <laughs> it's not good at all. I'm like, at least you were at the mall. Yeah. Like, you could have gone shopping. Mm-hmm. But Neil's like, you look great. And Laura tells him it's what's inside that really matters. And I think Neil's like, I thought you liked that sweater. And she's like, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) He also needs to borrow a car. 
And they're like, oh, I just got the minivan washed. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, they're trying to make him unfuckable. <laughs> <laughs> but Scott's like, okay, wish me luck. I have a needlepoint sweater and a minivan. See you in about eight minutes. <laughs> so we go to the restaurant and Scott meets up with his blind date, a beautiful blonde woman named Tracy, played by the one and only Molly Shannon. Oh, I was shook. To Our my second core. Molly Shannon cameo in uh, Y2 Christmas. We love to see it. Yes. And, you know, they sit down, they start talking. She mentions how much she loves this time of year. And she takes off her jacket to reveal she's wearing, like, a Santa sweater. And it's literally, like, Tim Allen's face on it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, wow, what a sweater. And she's like, yeah, and I got my my Christmas charm bracelet. I wear it year-round just to, like, keep the magic of the season going. So, on paper, perfect match. She loves Christmas. Right. Would clearly be down to you know become mrs claus it almost feels though like she's like a fangirl yeah like going out with joe jonas and being like i love Canberra." yes yeah like i've been a fan since i was eight and now we're right. married um <laughs> it's weird <laughs> but tracy asks scott what he does and he says he works in the toy business and she's like oh wow that's so creative i love creative people and he asks what she does, and she says she's actually hoping to break into the music business as a singer-songwriter. She says that she mostly loves country-western. <laughs> um, she could be a little Miss Taylor Swift in the making. And she asks him if he likes Shania Twain. And <laughs> thus begins an absolutely iconic, unhinged rendition oh, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> of Man. I feel like a woman, <laughs> but Christmas uh, yes, version. Yes. <laughs> so she's like, man, I feel like some Christmas. <laughs> and it's I wild. wish I could find the lyrics to this. I'm sure I we can. I tried to like search it. I know she's like, totally yuletide, taking a sleigh ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Is it on Spotify? Oh my God. That's what I clicked on too. But just give me the lyrics. Oh yeah, okay. I found it. I'll I'll put it in the just kidding, because I can't highlight it for some reason. This is the link I found. Is this a fan fiction? Yeah, this is a fan fiction. <laughs> but it has the lyrics in it. Okay. I will now perform a rendition of this. Yeah. To the best please. of my ability. Okay. <clears throat> The best thing about singing at Christmas is the cocoa caroling and fun. Oh, 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 totally yuletide, taking a sleigh ride. <laughs> Santa <laughs> shirt, reindeer skirts, oh, 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 watching the windows, fog drinking eggnog. Oh, 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 fill up a stocking, I spray on some flocking. Put up a tree, spots on TV. Oh, 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 oh I want to be and feel the way I feel. Man, I feel like some Christmas. Phew. <laughs> <Ew>. Wow. <clears throat> what, you hated it? <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Was that a 
a little bit of a weird thing to do, sure. <laughs> for sure. It's a little out there. It's a bit much and it's not for everyone. But you're telling me that Mr. Claus himself isn't down with a little camp? Yeah. That Mr. <laughs> Holly Jolly Christmas over here can't handle a little sing-along? Right. <laughs> right. It almost makes you question his integrity yeah. as Santa. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I'm like, what's the line, man? Mm-hmm. Do you want a wife or not? You want a wife yeah. who's going to enjoy the sanctity of Christmas? Because you found one and you yeah. threw her away. You couldn't appreciate her. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. He's like, that scared me a little bit. And she says, you know what? I totally put myself out there doing that. And that was not an easy thing to do. And if you're the kind of man that can't support a woman's ambition, then I don't think there's any reason to continue the state. And she leaves. Mm. And I'm like, good for you, girl. Know your worth. You're going to find your match. Somebody who appreciates a full voice, full projection, <laughs> uh, little song and dance in the middle of a restaurant. And I cannot wait for you to find your Prince Charming. Yes. Um. So that night, <laughs> Scott gets home. And Charlie's like, how was your date? And he's like, well... You know, I'm not booking a church yet. You know, women are hard to figure out. And I'm like, there was nothing to figure out. (laughs) She was just off her rocker completely. And Charlie's like, you know, I feel you, bud. Like, I have this friend and I just like looked at her one day and I just got a feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I'm like, has a child boy ever been this earnest with his father? Yeah. And Scott takes the snow globe off of Charlie's shelf and talks about when Bernard gave it to him. And Charlie's like, I remember he said, all I had to do to see you was shake it. And Scott's like, yeah, now all you have to do is yell down the hall. Hee hee. Ha ha. And Charlie tells Scott that he's tired and he'll talk to him in the morning. And Scott looks like very dismayed. And I don't know if it's the fact that like he's like my purpose in life is is flowing through my – Slipping through my fingers fingers all all the the time. time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very musical episode from us. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, he just turns off the light for Charlie and like – Heads out. But not without a quip. Charlie is like, hey, do you mind turning off the light for me? And he's like, oh, yeah, what? Your arms don't work from over there. Relatable. The amount of times that, like, my mom would come into my room and either, like, leave the light on or leave the door open. And I'm like, hey, can you close the door, please? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'll, (laughs) to Josh, I'll just be like, hey, um, can you get my phone out of my bag? (laughs) Can you please? I'm just I'm having little mouse hours right now. <laughs> I'm just so tiny, I might fall off the couch. I'm just so cozy, I'm already tucked in. <laughs> oh, have you seen those um clips on TikTok where it's like, there, there, birdie? Yeah. It's okay, birdie. <laughs> yeah, the net the Nanolan or whatever it is. Cause I used to watch that show when I was a kid. 
Um, no way. I didn't know. Yeah. I thought that was the, a new show. Like, I, didn't, I don't oh, know anything. Oh, no. Yeah. It was like, it was on, I think, Nickelodeon when I was a kid. But yeah, the who's that be wonderful girl? <laughs> Could she be any cuter? Yeah. <laughs> I used to watch that all the time. <laughs> point of view me to my girlfriend after she's she comes home upset <laughs> pov you go on like a shopping day with your mom and come home and have to do a fashion show for your dad i've also seen the sound used for that as well where it's like who's uh, that wonderful girl <laughs> just trying on your clothes from the mall and that's definitely a different type of dad no, my dad didn't give a shit. He was just like sitting yeah, there. My mom's like, like, try on all your clothes. No, so. for sure. One time I um got some – like went shopping and then I went back to Redacted's house mm. and his mom was like, oh, do a fashion show. Yeah. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> like my parents didn't give a fuck. So I was like, Who, where am I? Yeah. Is this America's next top model? <laughs> oh, you want to be on top? Um, <laughs> top, top model. <laughs> so the next morning, the next day, Scott is hanging up some Christmas lights. But Comet is like, which translates to uh, they're not straight. And Lucy comes out and says, oh, I was like, what character? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you did a perfect Chet impression. <laughs> Thank you. I am fluent in reindeer. Um, but yeah, Lucy comes out, says hi to Comet. And Scott signals to Comet not to speak because, you know, he's so legible. And Lucy offers Comet some candy, which I'm like, this is an animal. You can't give them candy. So just to be clear, Lucy tries to poison <laughs> yes. the reindeer. Mm -hmm. The five-year-old child tries to poison the reindeer. And then she turns to Scott and she's like, are you Santa Claus, Uncle Scott? And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you have a reindeer. Like, only Santa has reindeer. And he says, lots of people have reindeer. But they live in Finland, so I can't pronounce their names. And then Comet, like, shoots him a look. And Scott's like, besides, reindeers are too stupid to make good pets. And Lucy's like, oh, I think they're very smart. And giggles and Comet cuddles her. It's a cutie little moment. Aww. So back at the North Pole, fake Santa is kind of wild and out, <laughs> and he's like, I want the naughty and nice list. And Bernard's like, Santa already checked it, but he's like, I am the real Santa. I'm in charge here. Uh -oh. And Bernard's like, no. <laughs> so he's like, Santa, it says Santa needs to see the list and check it twice. And Bernard's like, you know, I think it's just a misunderstanding, but fake Santa's like, I like rules. Santa likes rules. And Curtis breaks it up and he's like, let's just have some fun. Hey. <laughs> and Bernard's like, hey, look at those elves. Like, why don't you play some tinsel football? And he's like, here's how to play. Like, if you don't have the ball, get it. And if you have the ball, run to the end zone. <sighs> 
And Santa's like, okay, I'll go get the football. And the man is committing murder, okay? (laughs) He is relentlessly tackling the elves, Mm -hmm. running to the end zone. There's one child elf left, (laughs) and he just chases after him, like, just for the intimidation. Like, there's – he's not even going to the end zone anymore. Mm -hmm. He's, like, chasing him upstairs. Yeah. It's uh, pretty brutal and super scary, I imagine, if you're just a wee I'm terrified. (laughs) Yeah. I'm terrified. (laughs) Who else was scared? Yeah, I was scared too. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to be on top? top? (laughs) That's from when the girl fainted, right? It's when, yeah. yeah, it's when she, like, I think she, Tyra pretended to faint or something. She's like, who else was scared? Yeah, I was scared, too, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's some something absolutely fucking ridiculous, as is per usual on, on America's Next Top Model. Um, but anyways, we go back to Minnesota. Charlie is being chased through the halls of his school by security. And he busts out the front door, but Principal Newman is standing there waiting for him. So he's obviously Mm -hmm. gotten in trouble once again. Yeah. Back inside, Scott has come to meet with Principal Newman about Charlie. And he's solo dolo this time. Mm -hmm. And she also notices his change of, like, appearance and asks if he's feeling all right. And he says he was until he got this phone call. So Newman shows Scott the graffiti that Charlie did of her on a row of lockers, and it's her with a speech bubble that says, trim a tree, go to jail. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm just like, at least make it cool, bro. Yeah. He's just like doing like (laughs) elf shit (laughs) in the real world. So Scott is like, Charlie – you broke your promise. Now I have to punish you. And Charlie starts arguing with him because he's like, I thought you were on my side. And I'm like, he told you pretty explicitly. Yeah, like, don't do it again. Right. And so Principal Newman stops them and tells Charlie that he's suspended. And Scott asks if there's any other way they could punish him that like doesn't involve him being taken out of school. And then suggests some community service. And Newman tells Charlie to start by cleaning the graffiti off these lockers by the end of the day. And then you know what? The rest of the week, you can clean every mark off every locker. And he's like, what? What? I have homework. I have to do shit. And she's like, well, you should have thought of that before. Mm -hmm. And then you can also on Saturday come to the detention group. See you both there what? oh my god scott's like i can't i'm lazy and principal <laughs> newman's like well you just became the parent rep you're unemployed mm. yeah you don't have and anything else to do besides go on dates <laughs> yeah he's like i am trying to find a wife <laughs> and she tells charlie they will discuss the suspension yeah Meanwhile, back at the North Pole, fake Santa is at the Naughty and Nice Center. And Bernard's like, hey, what you doing? And Santa's like, I'm checking in the list twice. 
And Bernard's like, Santa's like, wrong, wrong, wrong. Bernard's like, hey, don't worry about it. We got it. But he's like, no, I'm very worried. There seems to be a lot of mistakes here. For instance, in Denmark, there's a guy named Sven Hallstorm who was wiping his nose on his sister's shirt. He shouldn't be on the nice list. And Curtis is like, yeah, you know, we try and cut the children some slack this time of year. But fake Santa doesn't understand slack. He says that there are kids misbehaving everywhere. And naughty kids are supposed to get coal in their stockings. And in his opinion, they should all get coal. And then he asks for all of the lists. (gasps) Oh my god. He's gonna ruin Christmas. (laughs) Meanwhile, Charlie is at Saturday Detention. Principal Newman shows up. And I love her fits. Mm -hmm. Like... It's very much giving Lorelai Gilmore. Oh, yeah. She's like a hot principal. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And this like random adult who's there to play basketball, literally snow on the ground. Yeah. It's like, hey, are you in charge of these children? Um, Keep them away from my car. It's new. And I'm like, what is it? Fucking ugly ass bitch ass car. <laughs> I don't know any car names. Yeah, so I was like, I don't know the, the names or models of like what, what are bad it? cars. Blue? <laughs> Got tired. <laughs> so Newman's like, they aren't delinquents and you don't need to worry about your car. And I was like, power move would be if you like heat it after you said yeah. that. But <laughs> you should worry about me, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Scott calls after him and tells the guy he should be more worried about his legs in those shorts. And then says, I thought only swimmers shave their legs. (laughs) So they say good morning to each other, and Scott actually offers her a coffee. Ooh. Wow. And she's surprised. She's like, oh, you have a nice side. And he's like, oh, I'm a man of many sides. I'm like a Rubik's Cube with pants. (laughs) And I'm like, that's that classic Tim Allen improv. Yeah. You know, I I had some fish tacos, and I don't think I'm going to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a little heartburn, and I don't think I'm going to do that again. (laughs) Oh, Tim Allen. So Charlie comes over, and he tells Scott that the paint isn't coming off. And Scott's like, yes, that's the point. Hence, you have to be very careful where you put it. Hence... And he keeps saying hence. And Charlie's like, Todd, stop saying hence. It's really annoying. And just like (laughs) walks off. And I'm like, and cut. Mm. Charlie, you're giving fucking nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Go king. Give us nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So Scott asks Newman how she deals with hundreds of kids when he has trouble with just one. And... That's when this, like, adorable little girl who also looks very illiterate <laughs> comes up to Scott. Like, it, it's just, like, the first girl who comes up and it's like, Santa, do you want some hot chocolate? Like, they really had to, like, feed mm-hmm. her this line. Yep. And she's like, Santa, I've been really good this year. And he's like, is that so, Pamela? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, and I want a dollhouse and a swimming pool. And I'm like... Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> the dollhouse um, we can work on, but 
Yeah, <laughs> the swimming pool. Kid, do you know what a permit is? Well, maybe she means one of those like inflatable little kiddie pools. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Pamela's like very interested in architecture, it yeah. seems. She's like, I need you to rezone my parents' house, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So her mom is like, I'm so sorry. She insisted on talking to you. And she's like, you dumb bitch. No. <laughs> um, but Scott tells her that if she promises she'll be good, then he can personally guarantee she'll have a great Christmas. And I'm like, that's customer service, dog. Because mm-hmm. you're not <laughs> promising anything. Mm-hmm. You're giving platitudes. Yes. Like candy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can personally ensure that someone will contact you about that very mm-hmm. soon. Can I ensure it'll be fixed? No. So I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I can give you an approximate estimated arrival completion date. Mm-hmm. Would you like that? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I can give you our estimated lead time right now. That could change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me just, I can give. I'm just going to check with the kitchen. One sec. I'll be right back. <laughs> you never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> Poof. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, dude, for work, because it's like high-priced items that I deal with, when you go into the room, like mm-hmm. you can go into the room from the back, from the um, – like where our offices are. Mm-hmm. But you can't leave without tapping out, mm. like, in a client room. Yeah. And the most horrific, embarrassing moments at work are when I am in the room, forgot my ID, and I have to call <laughs> someone at their desk and be like, hi, I'm locked in a room. Please come get me. The client's just standing there, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, hey, so we're. Trapped. I, here's a fun thing. Here's a fun thing for me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm trapped in here. <laughs> We're trapped like rats together. Um, <laughs> but they can leave. Like, there's a door uh, for them. It's just me. Uh, Unless I, like, climbed over the built-in desk. <laughs> and I, like, jumped over them. <laughs> I'm just going to follow you out. Don't mind me. <laughs> I'm just going to follow you out. It's like jumping a turnstile. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So here's a fun game we're playing. I'm trapped like a rat. <laughs> like a Mickey Mouse. <laughs> like a Mickey Mouse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is a Mickey Mouse? <laughs> Go up in your spaceship like a Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh, man. I feel so bad for anyone who doesn't oh follow every single piece of media that we have mentioned in this episode. It's <laughs> like, what are they talking about? Um footnotes that Dude. was a new girl reference yeah um sweetie in america it's mickey mouse and he's earthbound <laughs> oh. oh god Where were we? <laughs> pamela pamela and her yeah. she'll pamela have a great christmas <laughs> gigantoid swimming pool so <laughs> he personally guarantees that she'll have a great christmas mm-hmm. and newman looks at him in awe and asks how he knew her name. And he's like, oh, it was on her necklace. And Newman's like, oh, must have missed that. Mm. And Scott checks his watch. It lowers from 10 to 9. Pamela could be the reason why Christmas doesn't happen. Yeah, Pamela. 
you've ruined Christmas. I hope you're happy with yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, is the magic because he found used magic to find out her name? Yeah. He should know it. I just feel like he should know it. There are many children in the world, though. Yeah, but it's unrealistic that he would be able to deliver all the presents True. to them. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess he needs access to his magic to have access to his, you know, memory bank of names and what every child wants. He, like, puts in a USB <laughs> into his wrist. He's like, I'm plugging into the Matrix. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, if I was Pamela's mom, I'd be like, what the fuck? Why does this, first of all, why does my child know who this grown adult man is and insists on speaking to him? And why does he know her name? That would freak me out as a parent. But this mom, yeah. unfazed. <laughs> so we go back to the North Pole and fake Santa is talking to a teeny tiny little nutcracker that he's painting. He's you know going on about the rules. He's like, am I right? Am I wrong? Could be the three gallons of cocoa that I had. So he's a little, little bit sugar buzzed right now. Mm-hmm. And he's you know talking to this nutcracker and he's like, you understand the rules. You're highly decorated. <laughs> and he paints the nutcracker's face and is like, oh, a face that only a mother could love. And then puts it in the conveyor belt and cranks that clone machine. And he also slams that button straight to enlarge. So <laughs> can see where this is going. Yeah. So that night, Scott knocks on Newman's door and I'm like, were you invited? no (laughs) that's a big fat no um and it looks like she's like going out and he's like Mm -hmm. oh i'm so sorry for barging in um do you want to get noodles and pie but he's like oh i don't want to you know keep you from your date and she's like is that your idea of asking me i forget what she said but she's like oh noodles and pie Turns out she is going to the faculty Christmas party. She's like, what about pizza and a movie instead? And Scott says, thick or thin crust? And she's like, thin. And I'm like, queen. Correct. Absolutely. (laughs) The right answer. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, which movie? And she says, two for the road with Audrey Hepburn and Albert Finney. And I'm like, okay, a preppy queen. Yeah. This is so preppy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and Scott tells her the real star of that movie was the car. And she's like, oh, it's a great car. My favorite car. And she loves cars. Oh, my God. Uh, and the only bad thing about it is that you can't drive it in the rain because you have to push it to start it. And I guess this is a reference that I haven't seen this movie, so I don't know. Yeah. Then Scott offers to drive her to the faculty party And she's like, well, that would be great, but then I'd have no way to get home. And he's like, well, I could uh, drop you off and pick you up. And she's like, well, why don't you just stay? And so I'm like, this is moving quite fast. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to the holiday party. He agrees. Um, She asks Scott what he drives, and he's like, well, I think you're going to like it. They open the door, and it's a gorgeous antique wooden sleigh. Mm. Pulled by horses. Wow. And Newman has this adorable little giggle. She's like, hee, hee, hee. <laughs> And Scott checks his watch. 
goes down from a nine to six on the magic reserve. Dang. Big hit. Yeah. So Scott and Carol go on this magical, very expensive little sleigh ride. (laughs) And she asks about his change in appearance because he is uh, looking drastically different than he did a mere, you know, two weeks ago. And he attributes it to Indian teas and salves. And he's like, anyways, uh, moving on. Do you want some cocoa? And she's like, wow, my God, you've thought of everything. And then Scott tells her that, you know, he really shines this time of year. And she says, personally, she can't wait till it's over. You know, the streets are crowded. The malls are packed. People max out their credit cards. It's so noisy. And he asks, when she became such a cynic? She's like, oh, I don't know. I used to love Christmas. It was the only day that my parents didn't fight. And she talks about how her parents were always like at each other's necks. But her father always went through this elaborate charade to make her (laughs) believe in Santa. He put out a cot and some cocoa and cookies and carrots for the reindeer. Then in the morning, you know, the cot would be... You know, stuff had moved around. The carrots had been gnawed. She says the cot would be must, like musty, I guess. But I'm like, what do you mean? Like, did he put ashes from the fire on it? (laughs) What does that mean? Yeah. And um, he's like, oh, well, reindeers swallow carrots whole if they're good fresh carrots. And you know, fun fact, they actually also really like red bell peppers. You know, I I read that somewhere. (laughs) And she says that there would be presents from Santa under the tree. They'd be the most incredible presents. And she actually believed in Santa so much that she would get into fights at school with kids who told her that he didn't exist. And one day she came home with a bloody nose and her parents told her to grow up. Uh. And she was devastated and... Then she's like, wow, I'm really terrible at a sleigh riding conversation. But Scott comforts her and she tells him that people just want something to believe in. Mm. And he says he knows. So Carol's like, well, we have our cocoa and a blanket and a horse-drawn sleigh. The only thing that's missing is, (gasps) and it begins to snow. And Scott looks around and... She's, you know, so enchanted by the snow, and she's like, wow, it's as if by magic. And we zoom out to see that it's literally only snowing over them, so it truly is Scott's magic. So we go to the faculty party, and that shit's lame. Everyone (laughs) is sitting around. They're very bored. Carol tells Scott that she owes him one. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's a great party. Look, that guy just moved. (laughs) And he's like, you know what? Excuses himself. Gets on stage. And he asks for everyone's attention and says he thought he'd get up and tell everyone the one word they've been dying to hear all night. Fire! (laughs) Crickets. Crickets. And he's like... Listen, we've seemed to lose sight of what the spirit of Christmas is truly about. So I have a suggestion, you know, before the choir gets out here, we do a little secret Santa. And Carol runs over. She's like, hey, Scott, the bag on stage is just part of the set. Like, it's a prop. 
stop doing prop comedy. (laughs) You're embarrassing me. Yeah. (laughs) But Scott is like, oh, I think Carol is right about the carolers. And I'm like, every line like that, it ha- I know it has to be a Tim Allen, like ism, yeah, yeah, improv situation. Like I'm convinced. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, I'm talking about this bag of gifts in the back. Mm. So he brings out this huge bag of gifts, the most like beautifully wrapped presents I've ever yeah. seen, and he pulls the first one out for John Pierce and goes. I think your mom calls you JJ. JJ opens up the gift. And if you're a Halloween Town fan, this is the guy. I'm pretty sure it's the same man who has the uh, house where all of the lost things go. Oh. Yeah. So it's like he looks very, very familiar. Interesting. So – He opens the gift up and it's toss across and he's like, I always wanted this as a kid, but I never told anyone. And his face like lights up and he's like, who did this? Can't confirm. It is the same guy. Yes. (laughs) See, I can't remember an actor's name like ever, but I see someone's face and I'm like, you were in the episode of this random thing. That every time I'm watching anything, I'm like, you were in this one episode of like castle from season two like blah 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 and i remember the exact Mm storyline i'm like how smart could i be if i didn't store (laughs) all this useless information what if we were doctors (laughs) yeah Yeah. so this is like the highlight of this guy's year Mm -hmm. um and then scott calls grace kim up And then someone else and someone else, and they're all opening these vintage gifts that they clearly wanted as children. They're healing their inner child. They're all excited. Meanwhile, Santa's power reserve down to two. Yeah, it's not not looking great. But the party really picks up. Everyone is playing together. Um, There's like a lot of camaraderie and... Mm. Scott goes up to Carol and asks if she wants to play. And Carol's like, I can't figure it out. And he's like, it's just tic-tac-toe with beanbags. And she's like, no, someone tracked down all these wonderful antique toys. And she tells him that she knows it was him. But, like, how did he do it? And Scott tells her, sometimes you don't need to know all the answers. Then He gives her her gift. Carol rips it open, and it's a baby doll. And in the sleigh ride on the way to the party, one of the highlights of the presents that she received, she's like this beautiful baby doll with these like beautiful rosy cheeks. And Mm -hmm. she just gets very choked up by seeing the same baby doll. And she asks him to come over here, and they walk out of the gym. What would be – if you were in this scenario, what would be, like, the childhood gift that, like, you wanted and never got or, like, you know, the special childhood gift for you? I don't know. That's hard. Because I'm thinking, like, the gifts that I asked for, they were always, like, a video now. Right. Or, like, I would – if – okay. 
I'll say I I loved this toy growing mm-hmm. up. And like if someone bought it for me tomorrow, I would be like freaking the fuck out. I'd be like playing right. with it. An easy bake oven. That was mine too. Mine's oh my all, god. I, I never had an easy bake oven and I always wanted one. So that would be like my mm-hmm. I would like literally lose my shit if somebody bought me an easy bake oven. Uh, we should just buy like we, we can should buy, buy it off eBay. We're just we're grown ups that can do that now. <laughs> it just makes me so sad that like because I, I did have an easy bake oven. And so mm-hmm. I would go to like the toy store and be like, Mom, can we get this like cookie dough cookie recipe? Mix? Yeah. Yeah. But it just sucks that they're like, first of all, the, the discontinued, of course, but like the toys that we grew up with used to be so cool. And now everyone just oh, yeah. plays on their iPads. I'm like, you're not tactile. You don't know how to yeah. grab a pen. You don't know how to. Your fine hold motor skills anything. are failing. Failing. And this is true. Like, my mom works in early childhood development. Like, oh, she's shit. the head of a kindergarten. And she's like, yeah, a lot of kids don't have very good fine motor skills because they're being given iPads from like a young age. And also having that much screen time when you're a child and your eyes are developing, it messes with your depth perception. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and I'm also seeing like a lot of TikToks from teachers and stuff being like, yeah, kids don't know how to read. Like there's like a growing problem with kids being further and further and further behind with like their reading levels where they should be. Um, so it's scary. So tactile toys are very important. Mm-hmm. Go get some, you know, Fisher Price toys from Goodwill, from the thrift store, because all the parents from the 90s have donated that stuff and it's still floating around. But yeah, moral of the story, I need to find myself an easy bake oven. Um, Yeah, I'm <laughs> looking. Well, they made a new so this is called Easy Bake Ultimate Oven. Oh. And that is currently being produced. So you can buy the Ultimate Oven. Mm-hmm. You can buy like the things and like the little, you know, strawberry cake. Da 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 da. Sixty bucks. Not not a bad price to pay. Yeah. Eight and up. I am eight and up. So And you can even get like the mixes. Oh my gosh, they literally have it free pickup tomorrow at my local mall if I wanted to. <laughs> they said free pickup. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to be looking into this later. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Carol drags Scott into the hallway and she's like, did you send someone to investigate us? Because yeah, again, let us not forget Santa runs a surveillance state. And she's like, I only told you about the baby doll like an hour ago. Did you send someone to pick it up? Mm-hmm. And he shakes his head and she's like, you know what? I don't want to know how you did it. Like, it's like some kind of magic. And he tells her that it's pretty much the last that he's got. She says that what he did tonight was wonderful. And she kisses him on the cheek and then is like, oh, sorry. That was a little forward. <laughs> Scott looks a little bit surprised and he tells Carol that he has this feeling in the pit of his stomach and he's not very good at this and they lean in and they're about to kiss when just like magic 
a mistletoe appears. I was like, Scott, you're already about to kiss. Exactly. <sighs> you used the last of your magic on something that was already going to happen. You didn't need the mistletoe. <laughs> but I guess he did it to like make her feel more at ease, maybe. I guess. Not good enough. Yeah. But they do finally lean in and share a kiss. Meanwhile, back in the North Pole, fake Santa. <laughs> so <laughs> I misunderstood the outfit concept. Um, mm. I was told that it's more of like a Mussolini yeah. fit. Um, I was thinking it was a German dictator, mm. which I guess isn't the case. Um but Santa's like, can I have your attention, everyone? You're going to stop making toys. The kids are too naughty. You're going to give the kids what they deserve. Coal. <gasps> right? And he says to ensure that this happens. And he blows this horn, signaling all of the giant nutcrackers to come out. He suggests that they do what the nutcrackers ask them to do, which is what he is going to tell them to do. Damn. Yeah. Very totalitarian. Mm -hmm. Bernard speaks up and tells the elves he's not Santa. He has a rubber face and a plastic tushy. And like at this moment, <laughs> fake Santa like puts down his arms and you can hear his butt like. <laughs> <laughs> so Santa signals for the nutcrackers to apprehend Bernard and they arrest him as he begs the elves not to let him ruin Christmas. And wow. Santa – I know, it's very dramatic. Yeah. Santa tells the elves, now that they have an understanding, have a Merry Christmas, and he releases just loads of coal on the conveyor belts. Christmas is ruined! Mm -hmm. Yeah, my man Bernard, he tried to stick up for what was right all along, the only elf with morals. <laughs> So, meanwhile, Charlie and his little pals show up at Carol's house. They decide to, like, ambush her house with snowballs. So they do. And then when they hear the door open, they hide behind a snowbank. But they hear a man's voice telling them to leave and that they've snowballed the wrong house. And Danielle is like, oh, my God, Charlie, isn't that your dad? Is he dating Principal Newman? What? And he's like, ew, no, like my dad would never. But then Scott's like, go home and pelt the ones you love. And Newman is giggling and they go back inside. And Charlie's friends tell him, that's really gross. I don't think it's like gross, but of course, like if your parent is dating your principal. Yeah. That's embarrassing. For sure. That's a rough one. Yeah. So back at the house, Scott tells Carol that there are some personal things she should know about him. And Carol's like, we don't need to rush things. But he's like, I think you need to know these things. And Scott reminds her of the mistletoe that showed up out of nowhere, the sleigh, secret Santa. And he tells her he's usually bigger than this and he has a white beard. And she's like, I'm not seeing any red flags. Like, I sometimes I'm bigger than this. And he's like, I work a long way from home. I sleep a lot. And she's like, you didn't go to prison. You don't wear socks with sandals. And that's when Scott drops the S-bomb and says that he's Santa Claus. 
you know, the North Pole is real, the elves, all of it. And Carol, it's so sad. She gets like teary eyed and she tells him that she told him something very personal from her childhood. And now he's making fun of her and it's not funny. Yeah. So Carol thinks he's like, he keeps going and she's like, I think you're acting this way because you're scared. You're falling for me and like you can't handle it. And he just keeps dropping these bombs. And I'm like, maybe just like slow your roll. Yeah, she's not buying it. (laughs) Right. Like just take a step back. Yeah. But Carol gives him his coat back and she tells him if she's trying to push her away, it's working and like ushers him out and Scott reluctantly leaves. No, it's sad, especially because like at the start of the scene, they had this like very they had this like comfort with each other like she's laying on the couch they're in her space like it just feels so normal and sweet so it's like oh dang we then go back to the house and charlie asks his dad how he could pick principal newman out of all people it's like he doesn't even care anymore and scott tells charlie that he cares about him more than anyone in the world and it's a two-way street What's he supposed to do if he won't confide in him? And Charlie finally talks about what's been bothering him. He says that he doesn't live a normal life. You know, everybody else gets to talk about how amazing their parents are. And his dad is the best thing of all, but he can't tell anyone about it. Charlie says he has no idea how hard it is to carry that secret. And on top of that, Scott didn't tell him about Newman. And his whole life is about secrets. And he hates it. And Scott's like, well forget about santa like i'm done my time is up not gonna be santa anymore yeah so the next day we get the wisdom of a child Mm. when charlie (laughs) is shoveling snow and lucy comes out and for the fact that like she is his half sister Mm -hmm. they really don't ever like have conversations together until like the very end of the film yeah this is like their one and only scene together Mm mm-hmm And she's like, is Uncle Scott Santa Claus? And he's like, of course not. Like, why would you ask that? (laughs) And Lucy asks why he was so sad. And Charlie's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I asked him to blow bubbles in his milk through his nose. And he said no. And Charlie's like, I don't care. (laughs) And she asked if they had a fight and if they're going to make up. And Charlie tells her, like, these are really hard questions. But she's like, no, they're not. They're easy. He's your daddy and you love him. I'm like, okay, distill it. it, girl. Distill it down, (laughs) queen. Meanwhile, back at Santa's workshop, uh, Toy Santa is running the place like a freaking dictator. The little elves are all covered in coal, like little coal miners. It's a... (laughs) pretty horrific sight to behold meanwhile back in minnesota scott and lucy are playing go fish when who makes a crash landing at the house but curtis so there's a ring at the doorbell lucy goes to answer the door and sees this child standing in front of her and he pretends to be a friend of scott's from buffalo and she's like are you an elf and he's like no what the hell would you ask me that And she's like, well, your pointy ears. And he says, yeah, they're from not eating my green vegetables. (gasps) 
do you eat your green vegetables? And she's like, Uncle Scott, (laughs) and runs to get him. Scott and Curtis reunite. He asks what's going on. And Curtis is like, there's a problem on the plant. And Scott is like, oh, yeah, Lucy, um, Curtis and I work together at the firm in Buffalo. Buffalo. Yep, (laughs) that's where we work together. We're going to talk business. Lucy, please go get some sleep. So Curtis fills Scott in on all the stuff with Toy Santa, the dictator, yada, yada, yada. Bernard is under house arrest. And he's like, you got to fly back to the North Pole with me to save Christmas. But Scott is out of magic. Curtis then reminds him, hello, hello, you brought a reindeer with you. Let's go get Comet. But unfortunately, Comet has eaten every single morsel of candy available on this earth and uh, can no longer fly. They try to get him up. It simply doesn't work. Of course, we go for some classic 2000s family movie bathroom comedy where he just (laughs) lets out a big old fart, and that's a no-go. So Scott suggests that they use the jetpack that Curtis used to get here, but Curtis says that it burnt up upon re-entry. And Scott's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Grow wings and fly there? <gasps> Light bulb. My God. So Scott and Curtis get an idea. Next thing we see, there is a string around Tim Allen's tooth, and the other end is connected to a doorknob. So they're going to try to conjure the tooth fairy. And they slam the door shut, but instead of the tooth coming out, the doorknob flies off. And I'm like, very strong teeth, sir. Mm-hmm. But then Neil suggests the toaster trick. And Scott stands up on, like, the second level where the banister is and holds the toaster. And when he's ready, he, like, drops it to try to pull out the tooth. But he comes down with it instead. And then out of the blue, Lucy comes out and she's like, Mom, Dad, like, I lost another tooth. Should I put it under my pillow? (laughs) So, of course, one thing leads to another. The tooth fairy comes, and Scott catches him by the wing. And the tooth fairy's like, what do you want? I only have $20 and change. And Scott is like, I will prove to you. Like, I'm Santa, remember? He recounts the details from their meeting about the Molinator. And the tooth fairy's like, oh, my God, Santa, it really is you. What can I do for you? Cut to the Tooth Fairy flying Scott and Curtis through the streets. Uh, Curtis is, like, strapped on by a string of lights and absolutely gets the shit kicked out of him by a car (laughs) and a garbage can until they fly to a higher altitude. So the next day, Charlie goes up to Principal Newman while she is, like, getting the snow off her car. And he tells her that... She keeps asking if something's bothering him, and there is. He couldn't talk about it before, but he wants to talk about it now. And Charlie tells her that his father is Santa. And Carol's like, okay, whatever, like, got a blast. But he's like, hold on. If the only reason you won't be with him is because of that, then you're making a big mistake. But Carol isn't swayed, and Charlie walks around the car Um, And gives her his snow globe. And he tells her to look into it. 
and just try to remember what it was like when she still believed in Christmas. So she looks inside the globe and we see this like swirl of snow and then fireworks and then everything clears to reveal Santa's secret village. And then Charlie says, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. I'm like, huh? (laughs) Sure. So Carol laughs and he tells her she hasn't seen anything yet. Yeah. So the Tooth Fairy finally drops Scott and Curtis back off at the North Pole. He thanks them for the ride and goes on his merry way. Curtis then asks Scott if it would be easier to just go through the workshop. But Scott tells him that sound military strategy involves taking your enemy by surprise. They open up the door and the nutcrackers are awaiting for them. So not quite the ambush they were hoping for. Yeah. So in the workshop, we see there are only 19 minutes until Christmas. (gasps) Yeah. I'm like the time is non-existent. So Mm -hmm. fake Santa traps the elves inside this locked room and real Santa and Curtis are tied to the banister. So fake Santa comes up to him and he's like, Scott, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, who are you supposed to be? And he's like, a better, stronger version of what you used to be. Damn. Yeah, I'm like, ugh, it is so annoying. (laughs) And Scott says that he's back now, so he needs to untie them and let the elves go. Santa thinks for a second and then just says, no, it's Christmas Eve. I have coal to deliver. And I don't want to make those naughty kids suffer. Ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. So he walks away and Curtis tells Scott that it is his fault. His elven pride blinded him from reason. There's only one Santa. Yeah, you let technology get away from you. You created a monster. And now it's time to reflect. So Scott tells him he he has also been doing a bad job. He didn't check the list twice. His kid thinks he betrayed him and he hurt the woman he loves. He ruined Christmas. Suddenly, snow falls from the sky and Santa asks Charlie how they got up there. And look who else is here, Carol and the Tooth Fairy. And Scott asks Carol if she's okay, and the Tooth Fairy reminds Charlie to floss and says that Carol has a beautiful smile. Yeah, we also see that, like, Charlie is missing a tooth, so he ripped his tooth out so that they could get the Tooth Fairy here. Oh, shit. To bring him there. (laughs) Scott runs off, and they let out the elves. And they try to catch Santa, but he just takes off with the reindeer and all of the coal. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go and do this (laughs) and bernard whistles to the remaining reindeer and tells santa that he needs to save christmas so Chet comes out slipping and sliding and scott gets knocked down in the process carol helps him up and scott gets on Chet, and he's like it's your time to shine buddy so turns out this guy has had approximately a minute and a half of flight training yeah but, I mean, they get off the ground successfully, and then the the rest of them just run back to the workshop. 
Yeah, so there's a mad dash through the sky. Scott and Chet are following after Toy Santa. Meanwhile, the elves, they take back the workshop, but they, of course, have to defeat the huge nutcrackers first. So Bernard counts down. Snowballs on three. And they pelt those nutcrackers with all the snowballs, but it doesn't do anything. I'm like, why would it? Yeah. So Bernard just yells to the elves, get them! (laughs) Meanwhile, back up in the sky, Scott is trying to commandeer the sleigh. Chet is able to get up to them. Like They get up to the lead reindeer and Scott jumps on and he manages to start turning that sleigh around. Turn the sleigh around. Love to hear percussion. (laughs) Scott continues trying to get control. He also says, you are a sad, strange little man. And I was like, why does this sound so familiar? It's from Toy Story. Mm. So he was like, I did also voice buzz. (laughs) Mm, That was me. Mm -hmm. And he balances on the reindeer's like holster thing down the middle of the pairs. Um, He almost falls off, but he hangs on to the back of the sleigh with one hand. And fake Santa tries to, like, leave the North Pole zone again. Inside, the elves are trying to beat the Nutcrackers. You go back to the sky, and Scott finally makes it into the sleigh and tries to either, like, take control of the sleigh or push fake Santa out of the sleigh. And they end up turning around, like, getting closer and closer to the village And they actually crash into the chimney and then, like, fall to the ground, causing Mm -hmm. massive damage. Mm -hmm. So the elves then (laughs) tackle fake Santa. And Scott is like, don't worry. I know what to do with him. But I love how quickly the elves are ready to jump to murder. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They are bloodthirsty. He's like, please, guys. They show no remorse. (laughs) They're clearly very chill with death. And I also do have to wonder, like, what happened with the old Mrs. Claus from the previous Santa? Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. the elves kill her? I don't know where she is. <laughs> Maybe she was like, oh, I'm going to go back to my family. Maybe. I don't know. I hope dude. so. I hope the I elves didn't, like, drag her out of bed by her ankles and, like, dispose of this woman who has never been seen again do you think he's just like the first one to ever kill santa like like the previous santa was like well there must be like a time limit that you have to find a wife before right i don't know dude that's actually is it specified in the clause that you need to find a wife by like your first 10 years of santa or something because why has this not come up in the many other years that he's right. been Santa Claus? I There's don't know. like a, a grace period. Yeah, they're like eight years. That's what you get to be single. And then sure. you gotta start your nuclear family. But anyways, what Scott decides to do is put Toy Santa back in the machine to shrink him down to itty bitty toy size once again. Carol then comes over and is like, hey, where are you going? And Scott's like, I got to deliver the gifts. It's still, you know, Christmas night. And Bernard comes up to Scott and is like, dude, 
you're forgetting something. You have to get married. My God. And Carol's like, what is he talking about? <laughs> what was that? And so Scott explains he can't keep being Santa unless he finds a Mrs. Claus. And she's like, oh, so the noodles and pie thing was just about finding a wife. And he's like, no, I mean, yes, yes, I was looking for a wife, but I didn't figure on falling in love. <gasps> wow. And Carol's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you love me. And she's like, this is happening so fast, which it is. Mm hmm. And he's like, listen, there's no rush. If we don't get married, I just won't deliver the gifts. And children everywhere will stop believing in Santa. And the elves will lose their job. And the North Pole will disappear. And Christmas will be gone. But no pressure at all. I'm like, this is co-adoration. Yes. So Little Miss Hot Chocolate Elf comes back over <laughs> once again. And she whispers to Scott to get down on one knee. And she feeds him his lines. She's like, you say this is happening all so fast, but you've known me your whole life. When you were little and alone, Santa was always there for you. And he's like, I, I got it from here. Thank you. And I will be as long as you continue to believe in me. And I'm like, that is a little weird to be like, <laughs> I've been with you your whole life, even though it's not him, obviously, but yeah. I'm just like. Mm, a little icky <laughs> but scott tells her that he knows he's asking her to leave everything at home but he can guarantee this is all worth it the magic love wonder the occasional thin crust pizza and movie and a long winter night she's like well is there a school here and scott is like we kind of make one and Bernard just starts like furiously nodding, being like, "Yeah, sure, 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 sure." And he's like, need? "Yeah, absolutely. There's totally a school here for all the elves, and they need a new principal. So jobs open if you wanted." <laughs> he tells her that he loves her and asks her to be his wife. She says, "I will," and they share an engagement hug. And just like that, Mother Earth, by the power vested in her by her, uh, pronounces Scott and Carol, Santa and Mrs. Claus, as the clock strikes midnight. Just in time. Yeah. So they kiss. Santa turns back to his true Santa form. And Charlie is like, Dad, we gotta go. So they hop into the sleigh. And then Scott tells carol that she might want to get some rest tonight because his vacation begins tomorrow which means a three-month honeymoon for them i was like this is a little suggestive yeah and she's like don't be home too late and he's like so it begins <laughs> and off he goes yes and our final scene that night Charlie comes into Lucy's room and asks her to come downstairs with him. And he carries her down into the living room and shows her Santa coming down the chimney. And Lucy's like, Uncle Scott? And Scott asks if she has any twos. And she's like, go fish. Oh, my God, it is you. I knew you were Santa all along. And he's like, you were right. 
and she tells him his cheeks are looking rosy and asks if he's feeling better. And he tells her he's feeling much better. And she asks if there's anything else she should know. And Charlie tells her that he was her age when he found out his dad was Santa. And he couldn't tell anyone. And she can't tell anyone either. But it's not a burden. It's a gift. Most people grow up and stop believing in Santa. But they get to believe in him forever. But she's like, okay, will I still get presents though? (laughs) And he's like, where's my easy bake oven that though? Okay. Yeah. All right. Blah, blah, blah. Presents. Where are they at? (laughs) And he's like, yep. If you go to bed like the other kids. And I'm like, you called her out here. But soon Scott exits through the fireplace and actually waves down to them from his sleigh. Comet is strapped to the back. Um, He's still not looking too hot. Yeah. And Lucy says hi to him, and they ride off on the sleigh. The end. Wow. Well, it's a fun, cute little time. Is it like the best Christmas movie ever? No. No. Not really. Um, but it has some funny moments in it. I do enjoy the romance between Scott and Miss Newman. Um, yeah. I think that they have like a really nice chemistry and I do like that they are very well matched with their wits and their jokes. I thought that that dynamic was really good. I do wish we got a little bit more of it though, because it is such a brief time period. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we definitely could have trimmed some stuff at the beginning to elongate that well like they don't really get along until the second half of the movie but not even like Mm -hmm. in the middle like there's a lot that happens before he makes a move with her so i think yeah definitely that could have been more of a focus it's not for me at least it just doesn't feel as like novel as the first one because the first one is like i'm santa claus and it's and now we're just kind of like i'm santa claus (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, but that being said, it was still enjoyable. Like I loved watching it and the, all the little jokes, the romance. I don't know. It just really tickles me. It's like I'm looking into a window of like fantasy light. Because mm-hmm. I usually don't like the fantasy genre, but it's like a little cross between a rom-com and a fantasy and like – yeah, because we're not in uh, we're not in Santa's village full time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, I've only seen the third one once, so I really don't remember it very well. But I'm pretty sure we're in like Santa's village for the majority of it. I know that it's like it's like Santa Claus three the es- escape clause or something where he oh yeah, ends with, up, like, what's his name handing over Santa rights to Jack Frost, mm-hmm. played by. Oh, my God. What's his name? Martin Short, who mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. <laughs> and that one, I'm pretty sure, is like a big commentary on like capitalism and the commodification of Christmas. Wow. But, yeah, I think that there's definitely some pacing issues with this one. I do think we could have kind of like cut to things a little bit quicker in the beginning, especially because I just feel like they kept hammering home what the clause was so many times. It's like, we yeah. know. We get it. He has to get married. We got it. 
so yeah, I think that that time could have been better served with either character de- character development or relationship development. Yeah. Um, I even think that like the the scene with Scott and Charlie where they actually kind of like talk about what's been bothering him could have been fleshed out a little bit better as well. So we could give him like a really good dad moment. Yeah. I mean, when I was just looking at like there really isn't anything about the production of the film, but yeah. it just mentions how initially it was pitched as like Scott must find the balance between his personal life and his work life. And I'm like, that's not really like what I got from it. Yeah. It was more just there's a new rule you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. But I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I feel like these movies are very relatable for adults. Mm. So I definitely like can see that but in both movies, really, like him working and right. the balance between work and being with her family and stuff like that. But because the first one, like they, the, the the main plot stays the same throughout the Santa yeah. Claus franchise. The B plots, like you mentioned, expanding on those, like that mm-hmm. could make it really give it some new life, breathe yeah. some new life into it. But I still like the film. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's definitely still, like, my favorite one out of all three. I'm not, like, as big of a Santa Claus person as you are. Um, But this is just the one that I know the most and, like, I have the most kind of, like, childhood nostalgia with. Yeah. Um, And, of course, love my man Bernard. Always have, always will. (laughs) David Krumholtz, if you're out there listening, I'm a huge fan. Um, I love you. If you're not David Krumholtz, keep, keep scrolling. scrolling. Okay. Love you, David. <laughs> okay, now that we're alone, love you. Now that we're alone, love you. Um, yeah. Well, and I also, like I said earlier, I very much enjoy the addition of Spencer Breslin. I always enjoy yeah, watching that, him. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we give her a rating? Yeah, I, hmm, I'm going to do 7.5. Yeah, I was going to do like a 7, 7.5, mm-hmm. somewhere around that area. Definitely like a good one to rewatch. Throw it on if you haven't seen it like in a long time as well. It, it I like that they do lean into the craziness of fascist Santa. Like that's fucking bonkers. And Tim Allen does a great job in the plastic Santa uh, <laughs> suit. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's just so funny. Like, I know that that Tim Allen's a controversial person, mm-hmm. but his comedy in the movie is very good. Like, mm-hmm. just for the little quips and stuff, like, I love watching it. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you are looking to watch it, uh, I watched it on Disney Plus here in Canada, so. Yeah, I also yeah. watched it on Disney Plus, but in the U.S. They yeah. have all the movies the little series thing that they did yeah if you've seen the series let us know your thoughts uh i have not watched it so i'm not familiar but so i don't even actually know really what the the premise is but yeah i don't either yeah let us know if it's worth checking out and yeah hope that everybody who celebrates christmas has a great christmas um enjoy the the last remains of this holiday season yeah 
Hopefully you got to cozy up by the fire with a cup of hot chocolate, watch some movies, and now get out your sequin dress. Yeah. Your freaking noisemaker. Mm-hmm. Pop the champagne. Yeah. Get those flutes out. Mm-hmm. Because we're riding into the New Year, baby. Yeah. We have a very fun New Year's episode coming for you next week. I'm really excited for the New Year's episode. Yeah. So it's it's definitely been long awaited for us to cover what we're going to be covering. Don't want to spoil it, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely stay tuned for that. If you want to find out what it is before the episode drops, you can always follow us on Instagram. It's movies that raised us. You can follow us on Twitter at mtru underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at movies that raised us pod, and you can send us a good old fashioned email at movies that raised us at gmail.com. Yes, and we will see you next week for our last episode of twenty twenty three. Oh my god. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.